My name is Pastor Evan. Uh, for those that don't know me, uh, I volunteered 30 years as worship pastor here, and now I'm chairman of the Elder Board, which means kind of the buck stops here. So uh, if there's a problem, talk to Rob about it, yeah. So uh, Rob saw it was raining outside. He didn't feel like getting out of bed, so he said, Evan, why don't you come speak? All right, I'll do it. No. He asked me a couple months ago. <laughs> but uh, good to see you all. How you doing? Good, good, good. So, finish the sentence. Thank God it's... Okay, who said that? Thank God it's Friday, right? Right, thank God it's Sunday, some people. But nobody said, thank God it's Monday. <laughs> Were you okay? Thank God it's Monday. Thank God it's Monday. We're in a series about showing up. And I want to encourage you in this talk to even show up for work. Even show up for school, yeah. Not just Sunday when we're on our worship high, but Monday when it's getting a little hard to get out of bed. Thank God it's Monday. Now, a little bit about me. Uh, I didn't work full-time here. I worked full-time at a manufacturing company for 40 years, five part-time, 35 full-time. So, you know, I know what it's like to build 750 widgets a day, every day, and the boredom and the monotony that is. And I worked in the warehouse, so I know what it's like to carry boxes all day long, you know, where I was kind of getting buff back then because, yeah, I was looking good. But, eh. but I know what it's like. I know what it's like to deal with monotony. I know what it's like to deal with hard work. I know what it's like to deal with cranky bosses, cranky customers, cranky coworkers. I understand where you're at, okay? But we're going to still show up for work this Monday. And thank God it's Monday or whatever you start. If you start work on Tuesday, then thank God it's Tuesday. But let's talk about God first. God works. The very first verse in the whole Bible is about God working. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created. Now, if you notice... It doesn't say God made the heavens and the earth. It says he created it. So if you can imagine God being creative, sort of having a, a kick in his step, it wasn't like, oh, here's God, you know, like, oh, I don't feel like getting out of bed this morning. I don't feel like creating the heavens and the earth, but I guess I got to do it. You know, that wasn't God. God saw it as a creative opportunity to express his creativeness, his creativity, and his innovation, and he did it. And God's also scientific too, right? So he took care of all the details. Those of you like me that like to study physics, you know that there is not a chance in the world this happened by chance. Um, God created DNA. God created the cellular structure. God created the constants of the universe. He's brilliant, and he put that all to work. So the Bible begins with God working. So if it's good enough for God... It ought to be good enough for us. However, if you read a little further in Genesis chapter 1, at the, end of the, at the end of that section, it says that God worked six days and took the seventh day off. So I'm not talking this morning about workaholism, you know, like being a workaholic. I've tried that, you know. I, I got to be careful with that, to be honest with you. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about six days. So it might be like five days of work. One day to take care of the grocery shopping and clean the house and fix the leaky faucet. 
And then one day to come to church and rest. But the Bible talks about rest, and that started with God. And the whole reason we have a seven-day work week is because God had it. <laughs> Six days he worked, one day he took off. So make sure, make sure you're taking care of your rest. Make sure you're taking care of your R&R so that you can be the best worker that you can be. And Jesus works. Jesus too. Mark 10 says, for even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, he came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So the first thing we notice about this is with Jesus, it wasn't all about him. It wasn't what the job did for him, what the work did for him. And he was a carpenter before he was a savior, just so you know. And, but he did not come to be served, Right? He, he didn't make it about him. Like, am I getting my promotion? Am I getting my fair pay? Or people aren't treating me right. That wasn't Jesus. Jesus was all about everybody else. Up to including the toughest job ever, which was the cross. And bearing our sins. He not only served. He not only washed feet. He not only did the cross, but he gave up his whole life. So imagine if we went into workplace kind of like shedding Evan of Evan saying, you know, <laughs> enough of Evan, you know, like it's not about me. And I got, believe me, I got to do this too. I got I to gotta say, Evan, it's not about you today. It's not about you. It's about everybody else because I want to be like Jesus who came to serve others. So we have to look for ways to serve. Now, rem remind yourself that Jesus came to planet Earth during the Roman Empire. So there was an emperor, and Julius Caesar, or whoever it was, they had this system where they were at the top of the pyramid and everybody else was beneath them and had to serve him, right? That's the way he did it. Then Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 it's the opposite. I, Jesus, am at the bottom, and everybody else is above me, and I serve them. He flipped the pyramid, and the whole world flipped when he did that. And even the Roman Empire came to know that Jesus was Lord and declared him God of their, of their world because he flipped the whole world. And that's why Jesus is the greatest leader that ever lived. And he's known for what's called servant leadership. You ever hear that term? So a servant leader is a leader that serves. So a servant leader, let's say if you have people working for you, you don't go into work and and, 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 and boss these people around, do this, do that, do this. No, your whole point is, what can I do to make you better? What motivation do you need? What resources do you need? Am I paying you properly? Am I making sure you're getting enough R&R? &R? Are you taking care of your people? You gotta take care of them and supply the needs that they have. I remember one time I walked out to a factory floor in Mexico, and this guy was trying to do his work. He probably had to make a 1,000 or something today. We were making rack and pinion units. And uh, his machine wasn't working. And I just kind of stopped and I said, like, what's going on with this guy's machine? And, you know, the maintenance department came over. And the bottom line was his machine was just kind of wobbly. And instead of hitting it once, he had to hit it three times. It was slowing him down and frustrated. And it went on for weeks, weeks. So our job as leaders is to serve our people, make sure the machines are bolted down tight, they're working properly, whatever they need to do their job. And it's our job to serve our customers. And it's even our job to serve our peers. 
And it's our job to serve our supervisors. And it's our job to serve the people that work for us. And it's our job to serve everybody except me. Because it's not about me, according to the model of Jesus. And Adam worked. So the first guy recorded in human history, the Bible says in Genesis that the Lord placed the man, that's Adam, in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. So his job was to watch it. His job was to tend it, to take care of it. And a lot of theologians will tell us that, in essence, God has delegated planet Earth to all of us humans. And I know we're not doing that great a job sometimes, right? Let's be honest. But Adam's role was really to baby that garden, you know, prune the fruit trees, make sure the irrigation was flowing properly, you know, just make sure everything was right, upheaval the dirt, whatever he had to do. It was his baby. His work was his baby. And he acted like an owner. And that's the mentality we have. Whatever God has given us, if we're a student and God, God's given us a Spanish class to take, our job is to get the best grades and the, do the best homework that we can because that's my baby. I have to act like I own that thing. If I got a cubicle at work, that's my cubicle. That's a representation of me. It ought to look neat and clean, but it ought to get the job done too, right? If I got a conveyor belt with lots of car parts on there being manufactured, that's my baby, if I got to lead those people, they got to produce high quality, low cost, high value stuff for our customers because that's my baby. I own that. And so when we walk into our workplaces, we don't just show up. We show up with a worker's heart like Christ, with a worker's heart like God. And the Bible is really clear about our work. So we all should be working. It says in Proverbs that idle hands are the devil's workshop. Now, let me explain what that means. It means that when you're not working, the devil can get you. Yeah. When you're bored and you're not busy, I mean, you're just like me, right? I get, when I'm bored, I pull out my phone, I start flipping Instagram stories, and you end up looking at all kinds of junk, right? We all do it. Because when we're bored... That's the devil's workshop. I remember when my wife died in 2012, I called my mom and said, what do I do? You know what she told me? Keep busy. That's all she said. And I did. I kept busy at work. I kept working. I kept leading music here. I kept involved in all kinds of different ministries. I even tried some new ministries like a homeless ministry, but I kept busy because busyness is important. And let's say today you're laid off, because I got laid off in 2020. I know what that feels like. It's terrible. And maybe you're looking for a job. Keep busy. Keep busy looking, but maybe get involved, like in volunteers. And we got all kinds of jobs here that need doing, right? There's ushers and greeters and kids ministry and youth ministry and safety and security and tech team and singing and whatever you can do, set your mind and heart to do it, but keep busy. And I always tell my wife, because I retired when I was 57 years old. And I say to my wife, retirement is not in the Bible. And actually, it's not. You could search for one and the other. The word retirement is not in the Bible. And I can't golf five days a week. I'm sorry. Especially, did you see the weather out there? I need something to do to stay out of trouble. So I work. I work. So even though I retired from manufacturing, 
Since then, I've been the dean at two universities, and I started my own coaching and training business because I like to be busy. And I tell my wife I work part-time. She tells me, Evan, you're kidding yourself. She's over there. You work full-time. <laughs> but Because I, I kind of like to work. I do. And I enjoy what I do. But if you're retired, it still applies to you. Stay busy. And for all of us, just really be careful. I know we need some rest time. But let's remember that too much rest time, too many idle hands, is a place where the devil can get a foothold. Really important, though, is who are you in the workplace? Because the Bible says in that first scripture there, see that? You're a chosen people. You're a royal priest. In other words, God sees you, God's kids, Christ's followers. He sees you as royalty, 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 like Queen Elizabeth, royalty. So when you walk into, what happens when Queen Elizabeth walked into a room? Everybody strained up, right? When you walk into your workplace, that place ought to be a little different. Everybody ought to be a little sharper. Everybody's mouth ought to be a little cleaner. Everybody ought to serve the customer a little faster, right? Everybody ought to talk a little more politely to one another because royalty just walked in the room. And I'm not saying you can solve all the problems there, but you should be making a little difference in your place of work. You should be making a little difference in your classroom. You should be, when you walk into a meeting at work, that meeting ought to be different because you're there. Because royalty walked into the classroom. You're a child of the king, right? You're a child of the king has just walked into the workplace. And so think about the influence and the impact you have on the people around you in your workplace because you are that person. And Jesus said, second scripture, you're the salt of the earth. In other words, sometimes workplaces taste terrible, right? They're just not enjoyable. It just tastes yuck. And Jesus is saying, no, you're the spice. You're the seasoning. You're the salt. When you go in there, it ought to be better. It ought to taste better for everybody because you're there. You're part of the motivation. You're part of the effort. You're part of the team. And everybody feels a little better and everything tastes a little better because you're there. But he says, but if you lost your flavor, what do we got? We got ugly workplaces. And then Jesus said, the last one up there, he said, you're the light of the world. So a lot of times workplaces are kind of dark places, a lot of anger, sometimes even violence. I had a, I had a buddy that got hit in the head with a hammer by an employee. Right? I mean, sometimes workplaces are really dark, depressing, desperate places, right? Can happen, but not when there's good leadership, Rudy, right? Not when there's good leadership. You are the light of the world, said Jesus. So Rudy, I know him, he's a good manager. When he walks into his workplace, that place lights up. What was dark is now light, it's now bright, and everybody's feeling better because he makes a difference where he goes. Before I get into this slide, I wanna just say one more thing about that. So I don't know who told you that you weren't royalty, that you weren't light and that you weren't salt. I don't know who told you that maybe, maybe it was a teacher that told you you were stupid or made you feel that way. Or a coach that told you you were a loser. 
or a family member that abused you and made you feel worthless. That is not the word of God. The word of God says you're royalty, you're a child of the king of kings, and you're the salt and light wherever you go, so go and make a difference. By all means, go and make a difference and shut up the voice of the devil from the past that told you you weren't enough. You are who the king of kings says you are. And so when you go to work, remember that you work for the Lord, not for people. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you're working for the Lord rather than people. Now, one time at the company, the manufacturing company, they brought in a new management team, and I'll change the name because he might be watching online. <laughs> uh, but Larry became my boss, and he did not like me. And I tried everything. I tried kissing up to him. I tried being firm and pushing back on him. Nothing worked. Nothing. I prayed about it. Right? I'm a pastor, right? I ought to pray. <laughs> so last resort, I prayed. And about six months later, I kind of looked up one day and I thought, what happened? Larry likes me. Like, How does that even happen? I don't know, but it happened. God somehow pulled it off. But during that six months, when work felt terrible, when I felt low and backburnered and demeaned, I had to remember that I'm not working for Larry. I work for the Lord, right? My boss is the Lord. I work for the King of Kings. Yeah, you tell me what to do, but he's my supervisor. I work his way. And ultimately, whether the boss is present or the boss is not present, I'm still working hard. I'm still working smart. And I'm still keeping my attitude because I'm his, right? Amen? I'm his. I'm his. So especially you young people, there's three ways to success, and this is it. You work hard, you work smart, and you keep a good attitude. Can we say that? You work hard, you work smart, we keep a good attitude. One more time. You work hard, you work smart, and you keep a good attitude. So many scriptures in the book of Proverbs about being lazy. Lazy people are soon poor. Now, just like you, I see all the YouTube shorts about this one got rich doing that and this one got rich doing this and it took them 10 minutes to make a million dollars and I see it all too. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It might happen one out of a million. But the other 999,999 of us, we got to work hard and smart, okay? That's just the way it is. So get used to it. So first of all, God says, don't be lazy. And if your path to success is some kind of easy way, a lazy way, it ain't God's way. So work hard. And then work smart. How do you work smart? Well, Proverbs 3 says, seek his will, God's will, in all you do, and he'll show you which path to take. I pray about everything. I'm trying to get a couple new clients for my business in Matamoros, Mexico right now. I was just praying this morning, God, I'd really love to have those, those clients. Why don't you open up the door for me? You know, and, and, and I just got another new client. I'm saying like, Lord, he didn't give me the stuff that I was supposed to get. And what's going on with him? You know, can you bring him back on track? Or, or how shall I advertise this? Or how much should I charge for this job? I ask him that stuff. And it's not like I hear a voice, but I get ideas. I get ideas. And I kind of get a gut feel like, hmm, I think I should charge them this much for this job. 
And I do my best to try to hear what he's saying because I want to work hard, but I want to work smart, and I want all the wisdom of God and his voice in my head. And then the third piece, right, that I said, attitude. Now, we used to always say in the manufacturing company that we could teach you anything. Like, we can teach you how to make car parts. You could probably teach you how to do the books, like the finance books. And we could teach you how to hire people. We could teach, we could teach you almost anything. We would, but we would say we cannot teach you attitude. You have to bring your attitude to work. I mean, yeah, as a supervisor, they're supposed to try to motivate you, but you better find yourself motivation. You better get yourself out of bed with a kick in your step, and if you need a cup of coffee, drink it, but get to work with your A game on and the right kind of attitude. Because let me tell you something. Attitude is what gets you a promotion. I'll repeat that again. Your attitude is what gets you a promotion, the can-do attitude. So when they say we need somebody to come in early to open up, you say, yeah, you know what, I'll do it, right? When we say we need somebody to head up this program, I'm busy, but you know what, I'll do it because I got a can-do attitude, and that's the way you get promoted, and that's the way you get ahead, right? I got a can-do attitude, and that comes from the Bible. You know, all these, all these guys that talk about uh, positive thinking and all that, it's all in the Bible. Jesus said, if you believe, you can say to a mountain, be moved, and it'll move, right? And St. Paul said in Philippians, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. He, he didn't say, like, I can do the things that are in my skill set. He didn't say, I can do the things that I love doing. He didn't say, like, I can do the easy things. No, he said, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength, and all day long, I'm praying. Really, all day long. Like, I pray in the morning, but all day long, like, I'm praying for this, I'm praying for that, I'm walking into this, I'm walking into that. I'm like, God, help me. Hey, you know, take care of this for me. What do I do about this? I ask a lot of questions. But be in touch with Christ who gives you strength. And Rob's been showing this squiggly line. It's a good one. And Jeremiah said, quoting God, I have good plans for you. And so wherever you are, like maybe right now you're unemployed. I was talking to somebody this morning that lost their job. Uh, maybe right now you're in a good place at work. Maybe right now you just got looked over for a promotion. You know, maybe right now you're just like, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. I don't want to thank God it's Monday. Wherever you are, you are exactly where God wants you to be. Now, I'm not joking with this. If you're a Christ follower, it is very hard to get out of the will of God. Remember Jonah? The story in the Bible, God said, Jonah, I want you to go preach to Nineveh. So what did Jonah do? He got in a ship and went the other way. You know what God did? He sent a storm and a whale, and next thing you know, Jonah was doing what God told him to do, right? Because you ain't going to be able to run too far from God's will if you're a Christ kid. Not going to happen, Right? So wherever you are in this squiggly line, I want you to understand that you are right exactly where he wants you, learning exactly what he wants you to learn, as difficult as that may be. As difficult as that may be, you are exactly where he wants you, and there are no mistakes. So let's be grateful for our situation. The Bible says, in everything, give thanks. 
My last word on the subject is this. When we think of the word sacred, we think of the Bible, we think of the cross, we think of communion, we think of a baptismal pool. You know, we think of sermons, and, and, and that's true, they're all sacred things. But we want every part of our life to be sacred. Right? God infused, God ordained, God decided, God chosen, sacred, holy, pure, right. We want our work, everything we do, our schooling, we want it to look like Christ, to be like Christ. And the only way to make your work sacred is when you commit your actions to the Lord. Commit it. Say, Lord, my company, yours. My job, yours. Even my unemployment, Lord, yours. You know, whether I get that promotion or not, yours, right? My bad hair day, yours, right? Whatever it is, Lord, it's yours. And once we commit it all to the Lord and we kind of hand it over to him, now it's sacred. Now my work is as important as a pastor's work. It's as important as a missionary's work. And I want you to think the same way. I want you to dedicate your heart and your life to the Lord this morning. And don't forget to dedicate your work as well. Amen? Let's pray. Let's stand and pray. So, Father, by grace we are saved. The work of the cross of Jesus Christ is an example of wonderful love and sacrifice. And help us to remember to take on our jobs, the roles you've given us without mistake. Help us to take them on with fervor and ingenuity and innovation and a kick in our step. And even when we don't feel right about it, Lord, remind us that we work for the King of kings and Lord of lords. In his name we pray. Amen.